You are listening to Jesus is Better, a podcast series presented by Church on Mill, where we discover in a momentary trial the eternal truth that Jesus is better. Hello, Church on Mill. Welcome to another edition of Jesus is Better, the podcast. Today, we've got none other than Pastor Andy Clare. Hello, Andy. Hey, Jack. Glad to be here today. How you doing? Doing really well. Great. Thanks for taking some time to sit down and chat with us. Um, in case we've got anybody listening that's you know, newer to the church, hasn't gotten to know you very well yet, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure thing, Chuck. Um, my name is Pastor Andy, and we've been in the Phoenix area for the past five years. My wife's name is Caroline. She is a current uh, PhD candidate at ASU, awesome. just across the street here from our church. And so she is in the final four or five months of her PhD process. We're really, uh, I'm really proud of the work she's done mm-hmm. there. She's had uh, the Lord's granted her some great opportunities to both witness to him at ASU and also just do some great work in English literature. Awesome. So. We came down to Phoenix for Phoenix Seminary. I graduated there two, two and a half years ago. Wow. And, uh, uh, but the, our, our favorite part of being in Phoenix has been being at Church on Mill mm-hmm. and the, the friendships we've made here and how, um, you know, we both say, Chuck, that I don't think either of us have grown as much in our faith as we have since coming to Church on Mill wow. and just the... Uh, the preaching, the connection classes, the gospel communities, uh, we have really thrived in the last four years, and we, we praise God for the work he's doing here at Church on Mill. Awesome. That's really great. And uh, you've got some changes coming up. We sure do. Yep. We are. Uh, I, I was uh, put in a pool of applicants with a, a church looking for a lead pastor up in Minnesota. Okay. That happened uh, towards the very beginning of, of this past year. And uh, sort of seemed like a long shot back then. Um, uh, But God in his grace and his providence opened up that door. And Mm -hmm. so that church offered a call to ministry about uh, a month or two ago, and we accepted it. And so once Caroline uh, submits her final draft of her dissertation, we'll we'll head up north and uh, preach the gospel there. So really excited about what God's doing with that. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. We're going to mess you, but... Um, knew this was what the Lord had said in your heart years ago and yeah. excited to see it come to fruition. Uh, we are recording this on uh, December the 5th. What do you think the temperature is up there today? It's going to be cold. Ah, uh, man. They had, I mean, they had snow. They had snow back in October, I think. Oh, so goodness. I, I, uh, it's not inhabitable up there, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a few, a few outcasts of civilization uh, where the the few and the strong Scandinavians are are surviving, so we're really we're really excited That's to go great. up there. I uh, I just read one of Caroline's favorite books, Giants in the Earth. It's about a Norwegian immigrant to uh to South Dakota, and mm-hmm. and uh, he he dies freezing in the in the winter oh, at the end goodness. of it. So the the chapter where he dies is called the. Uh, uh, it's called the the Great Plains drinks the blood of Christian men, and so okay. <laughs> that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. We're excited. And what's the uh, cow to people ratio? The, it's the motto of uh, we're really excited uh, about being in in the town's Northfield. Uh, their the town motto is cows contentment, uh, colleges cows contentment. So 
There's there's cows. There's cows. Awesome. More than Phoenix. Uh, yes. Awesome. Well, thrilled for you, brother. I look Thanks. forward to seeing uh, the good work that God does in the years ahead there. want to seek, uh, want to spend some time thinking with you about, um, the topic of, uh, minding the gap. Hmm. Now I'm sure everybody listening, all, all your questions are already answered just by that <laughs> weird phrase. <laughs> no, that's kind of a weird title. Um, when, uh, when we think about minding the gap, yeah. what in the world are we talking about? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, mining the gap is this idea that as Christians, we live in between ages. Mm. We, we live, uh, we live with Christ having come and being raised from the dead and conquering death, but yet we don't yet see that fully taken place. We are looking forward to a time, uh, when death will be entirely defeated. So we know that Christ and his resurrection defeated death, but yet chances are, unless the Lord returned, uh, everyone listening to this podcast is going to die. Mm. So how does that work? Mm. And we, and, and on this podcast, we're calling it minding the gap, which is this gap between uh, the victory Christ purchased, but that we're still waiting for in some ways. So as Christians, we live in, in between ages, mm-hmm. and it's there's a tension there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's good. So over in the UK, especially in England, when you, when you get on a subway, on the tube, uh, there's signs everywhere that tell you, mind the gap. And then they're audibly, you're hearing, mind the gap. And it's this little space between the platform and huh. when you're onto the tube. And uh, I love that picture because it's saying... You got to be careful in the gap um, or you're not going to make it to your destination. And that's exactly the kind of situation that we're living in today. So um, what what uh, if we if we speak of this more as a theologian would talk about it? Mm. What what did they refer to it as? Yeah, there's a couple different ways that theologians will, will refer to it. Um, one guy back in the in the 60s uh, really popularized the the phrase the already not yet yes. so his name was uh, George Ladd if you want to look him up you can um, but he he really packaged this in a neat phraseology mm-hmm. that said we're living in the already of the kingdom of God but the not yet of the kingdom of mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and so it's an in-between it's a minding the gap uh, age and uh, another another technical phrase they might use that is probably less common is inaugurated eschatology. Mm. So uh, that's now you're not, showing off. Now now I'm just yeah yeah. So but it's, that's the technical phrase. If you wanted to <laughs> yeah, know, look look into it more, you could say you know inaugurated eschatology yeah. is is this idea that um, just like you might have an inauguration for a, a leader, yep. but they don't they don't take office yet un, until they're uh, their their term begins. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated, mm-hmm. but it's not fully present yet. Right. And so we're waiting it. We're we're looking forward to it as as brothers and sisters in Christ. We gather every Sunday and we say, "Come, Lord Jesus, come." Yes. And we look forward. Yes. Yes. Amen. So th- this is a a realm of theology that I think uh, people can often feel like, oh, that what. That has no practical mm. application. Sure. And and yet, um, boy, we teachers uh, have not done a good job if that's mm. the way that people think about it because it's immensely practical. Um, 
What are some ways you think this issue actually meets the, the rubber meets the road of everyday life? It's an issue that, Chuck, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked this question because it's an issue that really cuts at the very heart of our hope as Christians. Hmm. And w- the Bible gives us lots of metaphors for what Christ's redemptive work has done in saving sinners. We, we often, on a Sunday morning, we'll talk about God as a physician um, who heals our souls. We'll talk about him as a father who is making a family of spiritual children adopted into his family. Um, we'll talk about his work as a comforter who's, who's with us in affliction. But one of the key themes when it comes to talking of the gospel is this idea that God's a king mm. and he's a victorious king. Right, right. And so uh, as, as Christians, we live in a very broken world. Um, we're living in 2020 with a pandemic ravaging yep. um, families, countries, um, economics. You know, we live in a very turbulent political age, um, which historically maybe it's not as very turbulent as right. normal, but yeah. um, certainly we feel that right uh-huh. now. And and we have to ask ourselves as Christians, is do we have victory or not? Are are we living currently from a place of victory uh-huh. in Christ? Uh-huh. And the Bible's answer is absolutely. The Bible's answer is that uh, God is the victory winner and he's the victory giver. Um, God is the one who has victory over all things. And so that can be confusing mm-hmm. in a time when we don't see that victory, right. when we're seeing death. Uh, it's The most helpful analogy is maybe um, if you're a World War II buff, the the storming of the beach beaches of normandy um the world war ii and the uh, axis armies were not totally defeated at d-day but um, almost all historians would say that that is when the victory of world war ii happened in europe Um, and so we as christians how does this help our everyday well to recognize that jesus coming two thousand years ago that's d-day jesus came uh, he defeated death, good. and we're living in a place of victory now, yeah. even though that victory is not complete. That's good. That's really good. Um, so if this is a new idea, yeah. uh, you know, one of, one of the most wonderful things about our church family is there's a, a lot of people who are new believers or uh, been Christians a while, but just really getting their hands around their Bibles for the first time. Sure. Um, so what are some passages that would help help us see this working itself out in scripture. Yeah. The place that it comes to mind is Luke 11, okay. where uh, our author Luke is telling a story about Jesus and and Jesus describes this scene of um there's uh, there's a strong man who who has a house, a palace, and uh-huh. he's the strong man's guarding the palace and what belongs to him. And and yet Jesus describes himself as the one who comes in, who binds the strong man, and who divides the strong man's goods. <laughs> and so as a Christian, we read that and we recognize that uh, the, the world has lived in darkness. The world has lived under power of sin. Jesus has entered this world. He's, he's taken the king of this world, Satan, the strong man. He's bound him and taken his goods. He's, he's taken the souls of human beings uh, and rescued them and ransomed them. 
And so um, Luke 11 is a great place where you see Jesus, not just as a healer, not just as a comforter, but as a victorious king mm. who's, who's taking spoil, who's winning souls. Mm. And, and uh, as Christians, we recognize in Luke 11 that we operate from a place of Jesus's victory um, over all things. And this is the already not yet because we get to first Peter and it describes Satan as a, as a lion who's prowling around looking for someone to devour. And so we live in the tension of Luke 11, where Jesus is uh, the victor binding the strong man and taking the spoil, but also that, that Satan's still a lion prowling. Yeah. And this is the already not yet yeah. of Jesus's victory. That's already one, but not yet one. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, in day, in daily life, uh, how do you think this can cause us some confusion mm. or, or trouble? Yeah. Um, I think, frankly, that this is, uh, this is the source, uh, or the grounds or the basis for most of the confusion that we have in mm. Christian life, practically speaking. So, um, just in daily life, what do you think can happen if our expectations are not uh, lined up with the way life works when we're minding the gap? For me personally, Chuck, when I think about daily life and potential confusion with this, this theology, my mind usually jumps to James 5, okay. where it talks about prayer and what Christians can expect in prayer. Hmm. And I think about where it talks about how Elijah was a man like us, and yet he prayed for it to not to rain for three years. It didn't. And then he prayed for it to rain and it did. Um, James 5 talks about how when you're sick, you call your elders to pray for you. Yep. And the prayer of faith will result in healing. And James 5 has such powerful confidence that prayer will be answered. Mm. And yeah, functionally, we we go through life. And as pastors, we, we pray for sick members. Sure. Um, all believers are called to pray like Elijah, boldly and fervently. Amen. But we don't always see those prayer answered. We don't always see uh, what we desire come to pass. Mm -hmm. And we're just left to wonder why. Mm -hmm. When Jesus healed people in yep. his earthly ministry. Yep. And um, that's functionally the, the hardest part, I think, of this, is that these promises Christ has given us, he'll be with us to the end of the age. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He is our healer. He is our physician. A and yet we don't always see that in the ways we think we could or mm -hmm. should. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the hardest part. And um, when I struggle with that, one of the stories that comes to mind is the story of the, the 10 lepers, where Jesus heals 10 lepers, but only one returns to thank him. Mm. And Jesus says, we're not 10 healed. Where are the other nine? Mm. And that story is comforting because it, it helps me remember that if I get my prayer answered, if I get the healing I want, um, if grandma doesn't die from cancer that doesn't necessarily mean I will love Jesus more. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that exactly the reason why we have this podcast to, re to remind ourselves that an affection for Jesus is better yes. than, than getting necessarily the things we want. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so that's, but that's where, that's where this inaugurated eschatology, this, <laughs> this already not yet is difficult yes. because as a Christian, I want to obey the commands to pray earnestly. It can be discouraging sometime in those moments of discouragement. 
uh, I need to press on to a, a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ, that he holds me fast, mm-hmm. that he's good, that his victory has been won. Um, but like Hebrews 2 would tell us, uh, not everything has been set under his feet yet. Right. We, we live in this tension. Right. Yeah. So that's probably the hardest part for me personally. And what, uh, what have you found difficult about about this uh, doctrine in your uh, in your life, Chuck? Yeah, um, I think of uh, it in terms of passages like uh, where Jesus in John um, stands up and says, uh, "If you come to me, then mm-hmm. out of you will flow streams of living water," and the the idea that he is from within a source of endless nourishment and encouragement. And Mm. um, I will, you know, if we put it in our terms today, I'll never be spiritually dehydrated if the the living water, um, the spirit has been placed within me. And the scripture tells me if I've come to Christ, then the spirit is within me. Mm. But it's not as though every day I feel always refreshed and nourished and fully hydrated. There are many days that I feel dry and parched and barren. Mm. And why is that? And, and um, well, is that because I don't really have the streams of living water? Uh, <laughs> or is that because um, sometimes the Lord causes us to feel as though we are that deer panting for the stream mm. rather than living in the full reality of what we already have? And that longing causes us to press further into the Lord. So uh, th- I just have, you know, tons of examples like that. Um, we have the mind of Christ. Uh, that's a promise that we've been told. And yet, why do I so often think thoughts that I am embarrassed about? Mm-hmm. Um, we, If I already have the mind of Christ, then why do I still continue to struggle with thoughts that if they were broadcast to everyone would be a real source of um, sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's because I live in the gap. I've been given the mind of Christ, and yet I'm still being transformed through the renewal of my mind. And so um, I'm I'm longing for the full realization of what's already mine. That, I think, can play out literally over every single area of our lives mm-hmm. in which uh, we daily have to figure out um, and re-decide, uh, am I going to trust that the scriptures tell me the truth today and that what the scriptures tell me are, are universally true for every Christian and that what God says here is good, even if I don't fully experience all of it yet? Uh, so Hebrews 11 is great, um, reminding us of people who've lived by faith and how different their experiences are, that some experience far more of the promises in this life than others do. And that's okay. Uh, And so, yeah, I think, Andy, early on, gosh, uh, I had probably a full decade of being a Christian and being incredibly frustrated and confused and full of doubt Mm -hmm. because I just didn't understand how this works and thinking, um, well, if those promises were actually true in my experience, then uh, the walk with Jesus would just be warm fuzzies all the time. Mm And um, I was leaning too hard on already and not enough on not yet. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. You know, sometimes we talk about besetting sin, where um, sin we, we know we've been delivered from, but 
as we live out our Christian life, it it pops up over and over mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And uh, not not always is is sin part of that. You know, sometimes we have we have doubts, worries, and coming to terms with um, being transformed by the renewal of our mind and being made into the likeness of Christ and growing in Him. That's yes. That's good. Yep, absolutely. So. Um, if we were to come up, let's say next summer on a, on a, a journey, taking a road trip, stop in at your new church, um, what are a few words we might hear you pronounce differently than you would hear, or you would hear here? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we we might have a breakfast of bagels. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we usually fly flags <laughs> in our in our front yard. And uh, when you go grocery shopping, you put it the groceries in a bag. Okay. So and what's the meal that you have in midday? Uh, we have lunch at midday, and we have dinner or supper at night. Okay. All right. Supper. Supper. All right. So these... Uh... And, we, and Chuck, to be clear, we usually will have a hot dish and, okay. and pop. with those meals (laughs) okay so these would be examples of not yet because (laughs) later when jesus comes you'll understand that's not how you say those words brother (laughs) you know it's a little known archaeological fact that bethlehem was actually in minnesota and it's it's likely that jesus will return first to minnesota (laughs) so you'll get him second down here okay interesting yes um well on that note um, brother, any any thoughts about how in particular we can try to live well in the gap? Yeah. It comes down, I think, to you put your I think you put your finger on this pretty well, Chuck. How how we think and believe about God in the gap mm-hmm. when things seem confusing and disoriented. Uh, one psalm that's been particularly helpful for me has been Psalm 73 okay. when it comes to minding the gap where it's a Psalm of Asaph and he's looking around him and, and he's seeing wicked people prosper and righteous people suffer. Yes. And he says, what the heck God, what, what's the deal here? Right. Uh, he comes to realize midway to the end of the Psalm that it is better to suffer and to be drawn close to your maker and to consider his ways than to live with prosperous ease. And I think as, as Christians, as we mind the gap, um, having, a, having a robust gospel-centric theology of suffering is key because uh, the gap's easy when things are easy. The gap's hard when things are hard. Absolutely. And it's, and it's really, uh, we, we have to gear our thinking to recognize that uh, Likely, as Christians, there will be more hardship than easy things in our mm. life. We'll, we'll all face death. Mm. We'll all grow old. We'll all face sickness. And uh, one writer I like, he says, you can have a thousand great things happen to you. It only takes one bad thing to ruin your day. Mm. And the one bad thing far outweighs the plethora of good things. Mm. And so in that moment, it's not that we have to run from suffering. It's not that something's tragically... Uh, something is tragically wrong with the world, but it, some, something's not wrong with our faith right. or with right. our hope. Right. Rather, we can understand that God is producing good things for us in Jesus Christ. And this is eternal life mm-hmm. to know 
God and Christ Jesus, whom he has sent. Mm -hmm. And so pressing into real life, fixating on Jesus, using hard things to reflect on the best thing. That's good. And as we think about minding the gap, this crossing from one era into the next as Christians, um, that's one thing we can do is, is not ignore how suffering uh, in this era, God will use that to produce mm. riches and treasure for us with hope in Jesus and in eternal life to come. Mm-hmm. That's good. Really, really good. Um, in uh, Acts chapter 1, the uh, one passage I had opened to, the, the apostles uh, asked Jesus in verse 6, when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom mm. to Israel? You know, they're, they're asking, is this the end? Is this, uh, is it done? Yeah. Um, is, it, is it all here now? And his response is, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, so what, what are we supposed to be doing in the gap? Well, um, we don't need to worry about when he's coming. He's promised he, he will. The Father has decided it. It's already, it's already fixed. Um, but we've received power. Yes. And a power that is sufficient for the gap. Yes. And uh, we'll be witnesses until he returns. Right. That's why he's waiting. He's waiting that more and more people might have time to hear the gospel and be welcomed into the kingdom. And so, um, yeah, it's a struggle often to live in this gap. And yet um, we possess the ultimate hope and uh, will grow from here to there. And uh, may, by God's grace, many more join us because we're being faithful witnesses until then. Amen. Any other thoughts? That's great. Love it. But, well, what you said reminds me of um, Joel chapter 2, which just talks about this day of the Lord and Christ coming as a, a victor mm-hmm. um, and conquering all evil and death. But then he talks about that there's a time to repent. There's yes. a time to That's turn, good. to humble yourself, to come to him. Yeah. And he'll bring... He'll bring refreshment. He'll bring healing. He'll bring comfort. And so the, the healing and comfort of, of, of Jesus is not, is not antithetical to his wrath and the coming judgment, yes. but rather they're two sides of the same coin. And in Acts 2, Peter uses that. Um, Peter uses Joel 2 to point people to now is the time of repentance. Mm. Now is the time to come to Jesus in his mercy yes. before he comes in wrath. Amen. And I think you're right. This is a time to labor in the in the field for uh, the harvest of souls mm-hmm. and to proclaim Christ, to say he's the source of life and comfort and uh, we can have salvation in him. So, Amen. That's, that's, a, good a, good, that's a good word. Yes. Well, uh, why don't we wrap this up and go get a bagel. Bagels. Bagels for everyone. All right. See ya. See ya, Chuck. Thanks for having me. for listening to this episode of Jesus is Better. For more info, visit us at www.churchonmill.org. That's churchonmill.org.